Episode of the NRL Supercoach All Stars podcast. This is Barnsley here for Supercoach 2021 Christmas time. TLT round one. It is the day that Supercoaches have been waiting for, and it's always so exciting. I was clicking refresh that many times today. So, of course, the only person I could have possibly got on to come onto the podcast for TLT round one had to be Billy. Billy, surely you were just jumping out of your skin today at like 3:59, just waiting. Refresh, refresh, refresh. <laughs> I was in a meeting late. I had my uh, phone in my pocket trying, trying to do a sneaky, but yeah, it doesn't work that way. Um, yeah, really, really excited, mate. I, uh, I got out about, saw it about half past four, I think, and to my surprise, not as many cheapies as the last couple of years, which is good. Yeah, it, um, it was very surprising. I was, I was all over all the apps and everything trying to just find, find the team list as soon as four o'clock hit. And it was quite interesting. Uh, I think it's probably, Oh, it's probably the leanest that I can remember, actually. As far as bottom dollar cheapies, it might be the leanest that, that I can recall ever happening. Yeah, yeah, true, mate. Um, I was actually um, talking to a bloke about 4.30 this afternoon about the team list. He goes, oh, I haven't done this in a couple of years. I've got no idea. But he, um, he has my brother-in-law put me on to cut this podcast I've got to listen to. Apparently, um, this guy, um, Mark Barnes, is uh, pretty good. Like, <laughs> turn it up. <laughs> Oh, look at that. When so, Queenslanders uh, are listening to me and giving me raps, I'm doing something right. That's, that's great. So, uh, so yeah, I've heard of that bloke. <laughs> Couldn't believe it. What does that say about you, mate? Talk about the backhand. <laughs> must have must have been the one you did with Wolfred. <laughs> oh, dear. Well, it's, it's good to get the feedback regardless. Look, a, a couple of things for this podcast tonight. So... Obviously, we're going through TLT. That's a given. Me and Billy are going to go through each of the teams. We're going to really focus on the, the surprises um, and a few updates on what we said in the pre-season podcast to what's actually happened. Keeping in mind things like, you know, South was one of the first teams that we did, uh, and that was a couple of months ago now. So a lot obviously changed in a couple of months. And certainly, we're not married to our uh, our selections or predictions that we do a couple of months ago. If TLT's ripped them apart, they've ripped them apart. So we'll talk about those couple of things as well. Like our normal week-to-week podcast as well, when we go through TLT, we're going to chat about captaincy options, uh, results, and the better the week. Uh, but the exciting thing is that after TLT and after we go through this week's matchups, we are going to do a Mortal Kombat style head-to-head of team reveals with me versus Billy. And we're going to go through position, position, and see where we're both at at the moment. Going to be a lot of fun. Before we get started with TLT, Top Sport, fantastic partner of the All-Stars podcast, has all the markets up for this round now. They've got fantastic odds on anytime try scorers and also the head-to-head odds in particular, I think, are pretty fantastic. But if you haven't heard of Top Sport, they're 100% Australian-owned bookmaker in Australia. Really great to bet with if you're going to do so, gamble responsibly. But if you are going to gamble responsibly, give them a go and make sure that you put in promo code SC Allstars. They'll make sure that you get taken care of as one of our listeners. There is some bad news, unfortunately, with Top Sport that I need to break to everyone in the Supercoach world. Uh, unfortunately, the NRL at the 11th hour has uh, come around and um, not signed off on Top Sport being able to offer the Supercoach markets that we're all excited about for NRL. So it's a work in progress at the moment. Fingers crossed that they'll be able to get them up 
up and about. But regardless, they've got some great NRL markets at the moment anyway to have a look at for round one, and we'll keep you posted as we know a bit more about the Supercoach markets coming up because I know there's been a lot of questions about it. But let's go straight into TLT because I'm heaps excited to talk about it, Billy. And the first matchup is Thursday night, the Storm versus South Sydney Rabbitohs. So probably let's start with the Storm. And the first thing that I noticed is there's only one middle forward on that bench. Um, so straight away, I had a million questions about that. And that's probably the main talking point for the Storm. Now, the three things that I had written down, one was get Welsh into your team. The other one was, is Smith going to go to the middle? Because apparently they're going to move a, a, a hooker onto that bench. Uh, and the other one was, is this a year that Naz is actually going to get some more minutes? So when I saw that bench, those were the first few things that I thought about. I'm not sure about you. Yeah, same thing. Um, I was dirty a couple of days ago when uh, um, it came out that uh, uh, Naz was going to play middle. I was really hoping for those extra few minutes for uh, Welshy, But with that bench, it just kind of solidifies... Um, what we were thinking of last week anyway, so happy to go back there. It's just more of the uh, question around the um, Walker versus Munster, if, if, if anything, for me now. Yeah, and I mean, with Christian Welsh, he was someone that I wasn't hugely keen on, you know, sort of a month ago. Um, and then I became a little bit more keen on that. Obviously, we spoke uh, last week on the podcast when we were going through the storm about the middle problems for the storm. But when they're naming benches like this, it... I'm not going to say he's a must-have at all, but I can't not put him into my side at that 450k price point. You know, his average minutes a game at 43. He's going to have to get, with that bench, 55-plus. He's going to have to. 55 minutes of him, an extra 12 minutes, you know, basically an extra 12 points at a minimum. He's, he's surely going to score 60s with that bench. I mean, can you see any way in the world that he's not going to be playing, you know, an extra 12 minutes? Like, 55 minutes seems pretty fair to me. Yeah, I'd even be happy. 50 minutes, you're going to get 59, 60 average out of him based off all, all the numbers. 55 is just perfect. Gets him up to 65-plus 60, mark without going over the white stripe at all. So, um, yeah, given that he had a couple of games off the bench last year, 50 minutes is that minute increase. But think of it this way, that, that second front row forward spot is so hard to fill. So at 450, it's probably not a no-brainer, but it's a pretty decent bloody option now. No, I agree. Someone that we uh, didn't talk about really on the Storm is uh, Nelson Asafa Salamona because Big Naz has um, has always been a bit of a lower minute guy, but he's absolutely killed it in the higher minutes. Now, having a look at it again, like I know a lot of people are going to sort of look at it and go, oh, well, you know, he's a bit of a beast, but he doesn't score that well. And that's true, but you have to remember that like he's done 53 and 54 points the last two years in a row. And he's done that in 39 and 36 minutes. Like, that's super low minutes, an absolute monster PPM. Now, again, kind of similar to Welsh. Like, I think at 480000 he sort of prices himself out of the market a little bit. But he is a dual second-row, front-row forward. And when you're looking at 36 minutes in 2020, and you look at that bench... You know, like, Finucane's gone for, like, seven rounds. Harry Grant's gone for at least a month or so. Uh, you'd think that even because if he goes to 45 minutes, which seems low, you know, he's he would have to pump up to probably 10 more points the way he was playing the last two years. So all of a sudden he becomes an option that we haven't even spoken about. I, I don't think I could do it because I think it is a bit risky. I'm not sure being the sort of big fella that he is, how much more impact he can have if he plays more minutes because he's always sort of been between 34 and 42 minutes. He's never played big minutes consistently. But when you do look at his big-minute games, Billy, that he has played in the past, 
he's got some huge scores in him. Yeah, it's uh, basically a career 1.5 PPM. So I think your estimate of 10 po- an extra 10 points for an extra 10 minutes is pretty conservative. I've got him at um, an extra 15 points for that 10 minutes. So 36 minutes per game last year, pretty similar the year before. The fact that he's starting now at the lock position while Finnecane's out, as long as he holds that for six weeks, I'm pretty sure you can guarantee him getting a minimum of 46 minutes, which adds an extra 12 to 15 points a game, so that puts him in the 65 range. I'm tempted just to go him as well as uh, as uh, Walshie. And I t- I'll tell you what, it's going to be tough to do uh, him and Tino and Walshie and, and the edge guns and then try and fit, fit the rest in, so... Uh, two days ago, I didn't have any storm front rowers in there. Now, all of a sudden, trying to get two in. Yeah, I know what you mean. It's really tough. I, I wish that Naz was a little bit cheaper. Um, his, his tackle bus and his ability to go over for, you know, about four or five tries each year the last couple of years um, is really appealing for them. Um, if he's getting those extra minutes, he, he definitely becomes an option. Um, I'm going to have a bit more of a closer look at him. I don't think that I'm going to be able to do it, but geez, he doesn't need to be playing big minutes to be able to come up good. I'm actually really excited. I had a draft on the weekend, and I picked him up in about round 10. Um, and then obviously seeing this bench, I'm just like, you beauty, you know, talk, for draft. Talk about potluck. <laughs> oh, well, for draft, I think he's a great option. You know, he'll be on some waivers. Like, he'll... he'll he won't be picked up in a lot of teams in ten teamers, so uh, but people should be looking at him. He only had six games last year over forty minutes, one hundred and sixteen points, fifty four, seventy, seventy one, sixty, ninety two. So an average of seventy seven point five off fifty minutes, and that included, uh, I think it was only a couple of tries, just to confirm. Had three tries, two and one, two and one game. And one and another. If I take those out and just include the three games only, it was an average of 61 or 51 minutes, pretty much all in base. Yeah, so it's, it just looks so appealing when you when you know what a beast he is. Just looking at him and the eye test, yeah. and then you look at the numbers. It just it's fantastic. You just have to wonder whether Belliate's going to pull the rain off or not. Um, I've, I'm really not sure, but you'd think that they have to if that bench stays the same. I guess that's the question with a lot of these teams for round one, isn't it? You know, they've got extended benches. Are they going to stay the same or, or are they going to be different? I mean, you know, Wacko's normally on the money and he said that that smooth kid's going to be starting uh, on the bench, I should say, not starting. And he's going to be a hooker. Um, so, I mean, that leaves three forwards on the bench and one of them's Likely Eisenhuth is going to retain his spot, and he's more of a centre wing slash second rower. So I, I can't see any way I slice it where Nas doesn't get more minutes. So yeah, he's becoming more appealing by the by the minute that I look at it. Actually, he looks like he swallowed half for dinner. <laughs> well, he might do that this year a couple of times with those extra minutes. But let's um, <laughs> let's move on. Uh, really, the Storm were not a huge surprise team. Um, Souths had a couple of more surprises with their side. So Jacob Host is really the only bolter, but he's also one of the cheapest secondary forward options, which when we're talking about, you know, they're not being any cheapies. And then you're saying, well, at secondary forward, as far as who is starting, costs a whopping 317k. It really shows you, you know, where we're at as far as cheapies for round one in 2021. It's, it's pretty barren. Now, He's someone that I don't think he can go near, but he did only play 43 minutes a game last year. I've streamed host in before when he started several years ago, and I was very disappointed with his PPM. 
and I uh, I couldn't possibly do it with guys like Arrow on the bench that can push Murray to a to an edge, um, and also Arrow. Arrow's someone who has completely lost his value. So in the first podcast, Billy, you know, I was huge on Arrow, um, and I think that you were pretty big on him too. But that was if he was a starting 13 or even a starting prop. Um, but obviously on the bench, you can't go near him, and our opinions on him are going to be very different now that we're at TLT. But when he gets healthy and acclimatised to that South Sydney team, you'd have to think that he starts. And whether they end up putting him on the edge or, or put him at prop or, or put him at 13, whatever, Jacob Host is going to be the odd man out. You know, So I don't see Host being even a slow burn because I can't see him getting long enough to be able to do it. And the other thing too is that Colin Matangi was, um, was training on that same edge as well. And he was the great hope for a lot of people to have a bit of a, a cheap sort of mid-range guy that can bust out some big scores. And he found himself on the bench. So there's no telling when he might end up getting that starting job instead. So Hose is a big stay away, but really disappointing for, for Arrow and Kalamatangi. Yeah, at least it just means those guys are going to be available for a cheap downgrade a little bit later. Um, maybe possibly around the, the uh, buy time. Not really going to be too advantageous, but because you'd be checking out a sort of low to mid-range sort of guy for a couple of games out of them when they maybe go back to the bench. But Arrow's a guy that might end up starting down the track, but he's not going to get big minutes. So possibility at some point, but it probably rules him out for most of the season, doesn't it? Yeah, you're going to have to wait and see him play a bit consistently. But, I mean, the good news is that there's going to be some price drops in this pack uh, with how it's structured. I think that it's probably... I mean, when you're looking at Murray at 600k, I mean, that bench has got Benji Marshall on it. Uh, which looks pretty decent. And, you know, guys like Arrow are going to play in the middle now that he's on the bench as well. Um, it seems to look pretty good for Murray as far as his minutes and safety. Yeah, um, but that that, um, that Rabbitohs pack just makes it so, so difficult this year trying to figure it out. I was pretty keen on that Keon, that Keon bloke until, he, until his trial, and then he get, got thrown around to the bench, but probably makes the things a little bit easier in the decision in the decision department now but it makes it a bit harder trying to figure out how you're going to afford the uh, very few guys that are named. It certainly does. Now, there's been a, a few people that have been a little bit edgy about having Cook in their sides, uh, mainly because Benji Marshall is on the bench, and there's been a lot of questions around the trap. So, you know, is Cook not going to play 80 minutes? And what's Marshall going to do? Marshall's been training in a roving role, by all reports. Um, and, you know, guys like Wacko aren't normally wrong with their reports as well. He's normally on the money. He's very much at, in, in the sessions been doing a bit of a roving 13 type of role, which a lot of the teams are starting to move towards. You know, having that utility back on the bench um, that you can, you know, slot into the halves or, or even in the centres or something if you get an injury. But if there's no injury, they just end up going into like a, a bit of a ball-playing roving 13 type of role just to cause some havoc around the middle for 15 minutes. So... I don't see any way that Marshall goes to hooker. In fact, I think that he's probably least suited going to hooker than any other position on the field almost. So I think Cook's very, very safe. I wouldn't be worried about him at all, Billy. Yeah, I'll tell you what, Benji seems to land on a pile of gold, hasn't he? Gone from not being wanted to sign a minimum contract and maybe maybe reserve grade to all of a sudden coming on the bench and playing a roving role in a team that's likely to win the comp. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's going to be good for him. I, I thought it was a good signing. Like I mentioned to a few people when there was rumours about the Roosters, um, and I'm fairly certain that the Roosters did approach him and he rejected them. Um, but that was very early on in the piece, and then they obviously they signed Adam Kieran, so that was kind of that role. But you know, I, I was big on getting him. Like oh, I reckon that 
you know, we were looking at a similar type of role, and I thought he's great, you know, because he's going to go in, he's going to back up your halves, you know, these guys are going to play, you know, Cody Walker will play Origin as well, he'll just slot straight into the halves for that Origin period, he's an older guy that can sort of give some mentorship to the young guys, he's very well respected, he's almost like another coach out there as well, you know, this it's a great signing by Wayne Bennett. Yeah, you've got to have depth at some point, and a bloke with sort of, you know, 15 years experience in the first grade that's been, been, been around the world knows what he's doing, just to plug a couple of gaps at 100k, you'd, uh, you'd, you'd take that over a rookie, particularly if you're trying to get a premiership. Yeah, for sure. So good on Benji for getting that role, but it's not going to affect Cook. So if you're going to start Cook, I wouldn't be worried about him because Marshall's on the bench at all. As far as this game goes, mate, it's a, it's a bit of a blockbuster for the first game of the season, which is nice. Now, captaincy options, normally you'd kind of say in this one, it's a bit of a tough one, but I mean, if you're going to throw caution to the wind as far as VCs go. Cody Walker's looked in superb form in the preseason. Uh, so he's someone that I've actually got penciled in as a vice-captaincy option, purely because you've got guys like Tedesco playing in a few games as well, so you need to get your vice-captaincy in early if you're going to say, see a Teddy. Um, so it's him as a hand-grenade vice-captain if you think that um, if you think that Souths are going to go well. Uh, I kind of had him picked out, but what do you think about captaincy options? If you get a pick someone, like I'd... Look, I would, if you took me back prior to the Chooks game and, and in round 20, I'd say I wouldn't be VCing Walker against a decent team. <laughs> but, um, uh, maybe now that kind of goes, it goes against the wind. So look, I think Munster has like a, a staple sort of 70, 70, 70, 70 every week where Walker's form end of last year says he was averaging 20 points higher than his actual average and has a very, very high ceiling. So yeah, bottom line, I'd probably have to agree with you on that one, mate. Yeah, I mean, when you've got a guy that can throw up 203 points against the Roosters last last comp, it's uh, it's not a bad option just to throw it on there. He did score 81 points against the Storm in 2020 in his sole game, scored a try against him as well. So not a bad option. Uh, as far as results go, I actually think the South's going to win this one. I'm very surprised at the betting markets, and that brings us to the top sport bet of the week for this game. Uh, for this particular one, mate, top sport have Souths at $1.92. I think that they should be favourites. I don't think they should be outsiders. Um, I'll probably take the plus one and a half because I think if you can always take the the line on something, it's always safer um, and it, you're not going to lose much value in it. So the plus one and a half is a dollar eighty four. Uh, I'm, I'm loving that bet for this game. I think that's how it's going to be winners here. Yeah, um, agree. Throw in the fact that uh, just on your Cody Walker scoring pretty high here. Um, you got to remember it's a new right edge for. Uh, storm, which means that's the that's the avenue that sort of Walker generally attacks down left hand side. So you can probably even chuck a couple of first try scorers on whoever the uh, left left edges are for the bunnies. Got any big calls for this one, Supercoach scoring wise? I think Munster punches above his average for this one. Starts off well with an 85. I don't think he destroys them because he's not going to score five tries in the first game of the season. Tired forwards, and I just don't think he's going to score 200 in his first game. But I think he I think he comes comes out the gate pretty well. I think he continues from the end of last year. I'm going to go for a big balls call of Munster and Pappenhausen to combine for 120 points or less. Well, I hope Pappenhausen gets 119 of them. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on to the next one. Knights first, Dogs is the second game. Let's start off with the Knights first. So one of the first things I notice is that their bench is three middles and one edge, which is really interesting. Uh, so obviously with four forwards on the bench, it looks like no way that Braley isn't going to play 80 minutes and that's, you know, he's coming from an ACL injury. Um, you kind of expected that he was going to have a backup, but when you have a look at it, there's 
not really any way it looks like that he can not play 80 minutes for this game. But he's it, it a bit of a trap, Billy, because obviously Blake Green's due back in the next couple of weeks. He's going to take Kurt Mann's spot, and then you're going to have Kurt Mann back on the bench. And then Kurt Mann feasibly could be playing some hooker minutes. Um, I reckon that that might be the case, and then Brayley goes from 80 minutes to 60. But, I mean, if you get two weeks of 80 minutes of Brayley in your rolling average for your price increases, that's not too bad. In the first game against the Dogs... You know, 80-minute hooker for at least a couple of weeks, it looks like. I didn't mind him as an option. I, if there wasn't guys like Little around and a few others, um, I'd probably be inclined to go for Brayley. Yeah, um, if there wasn't a couple of other guys coming back, maybe. But he's just so sort of plain. There's nothing really sort of special about him. It's just more his price, which is probably... It kind of reminds me of uh, Michael Leisha. Like, if you... If, if you um, change his name for Michael Michael Leacher and said, look, he's going to get a couple of 80 minute games now, but then um, a couple of guys are going to come back from injury, regardless of the draw, would you put him in there? My answer would be probably not. Um, I think he's probably just a desperation move given the lack of available options around. I just don't think he's going to give you enough attack. Yeah, I don't know. They've got a good draw, so it wouldn't actually surprise me if he hit some attack. He was a more attacking inclined Braley brother out of the two, but there is too many other options. It's interesting that though that if they do push him for eighty straight up, which I think is a bit unexpected. We mentioned that one of the bench forwards was Jones, who's an edge. Uh, then the question to me was immediately, you know, is that going to be a bit of a risk for Barnett? Obviously, Barnett is better as an eighty-minute player, but if you've got an edge on the on the bench, even as a you know. The fourth bench option. He's going to play 15 minutes, maybe. So that brings Barnett down to 65. But, you know, Barnett started at 13 before. Connor Watson is the big winner from the TLT uh, for the Knights. We knew that he was going to be likely the starting 13. Now that he's there, I'm going to say he's a must-have. But I am wondering as well whether Barnett rotates around now and goes into the middle for 15 minutes as well to give him his 80 minutes. I hope so. I just hope uh, it takes 80. <laughs> I don't care where he is. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, 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 um, I really like Barnett on the edge, but if he rotates through the middle, I'd be happy with that as a, as a security blanket for an extra sort of 15, 20 minutes in tackles. And surely with this TLT, there can be absolutely no way that Connor Watson should be below 100% ownership. Really? Come on. <laughs> He's got to be owned by everyone. <laughs> Maybe this is a year he averages 78. <laughs> Well, look, I, I very rarely say that anyone's a must-have, but at 288000 is a guy that you can have at either backup six or backup hooker. And I actually think you could start at, at, at six or, or hooker as well because, you know, coming up against the Dogs this week uh, with a decent draw against the Warriors the week after, Tigers, Dragons, Titans, you know, that five weeks, you'd be starting Watson every week regardless of whether you got him at six or nine. And I just can't see any way that he's not a must-have. Yeah, he's my starting um, boat. Um, and just as a, uh, if you're concerned about his injury history, you could do something like, you know, just go the um, your Lamb as your backup. They've got the same same positions and same duels, so you can rotate those guys around and have someone like Little as Little as a backup as well. So you basically got three guys that you can rotate through two positions. Yep. On the dog side of things, they actually had probably more surprises than most teams, I reckon. So... Interesting, they've got two cheap props, well, two mid-range props anyway that they're starting. Now, a lot of people were really big on Hetherington. Um, I, at 295k, didn't really see it, mainly because I liked other options more, but he's got that starting jersey. 
Uh, and the other guy that stood out was Ogden is starting now all of a sudden. Now, Ogden's a guy that's kind of been coming through for a few years now, but never really been given the opportunity. We were, I was chatting to Wilfred a year ago on the preseason podcast for 2020, and there was a bit of mail that they were going to throw Ogden in as an edge back row, as an attacking weapon and start him. And I was really excited because I think that he's a really good player. Never ended up happening, just didn't get the opportunity. Only played 11 games in 2020, averaged 27 points a game in 31 minutes. But now he's a starter. You'd expect that he's going to be getting much more than 31 minutes. I think the fact that it's a new coach, Billy, for round one TLT, to name him as a starting prop, Barrett must see something in Ogden that he really likes, um, which suggests to me that you know, 31 minutes, it's probably going to turn into 45 um, even as a bigger sort of lower minute prop, he still should pick up 14 minutes a game extra. Um, and if that's the case, you know, we've been talking about the lack of bottom dollar cheapies. He comes in at 243000 I've seen very few people talk about Ogden today, and he yeah. looks like a decent option. Yeah, I just don't think it's enough, though. Um, like you, you, you've got to have someone, so he's certainly, he's certainly an option, but he's in... He's, you go back four or five weeks, everyone was talking about having some half-decent second-row options around the sort of 300, 350k mark, you know, sort of, you know, Ford, Ricky, um, no, BMM, there were about sort of four or five different options floating around. Now, all of a sudden, there's basically none or one or, none or one or two, and the cheaper guys are available in the front row forward. You can, I'd much rather go someone like, um, you know, Lodgy in there, who's who's proven who's proven and is, is real cheap. So, I think the, I think you said the price point is too is, is uh, too hard in, in comparison with blokes like that. He, he's less, mate. He's two hundred forty three k. Yeah, but it's right around the, the lodge mark. I'd much rather take a guy that's you know, average that average sixty seven the previous year. Yeah, I mean, that was my next question, because when you look at sort of Hetherington versus Ogden as well, like Hetherington's at 294, Lodge is 299. Um, it's basically whether you think it's worth saving fifty, sixty thousand dollars $60,000 on going down to an Ogden or not. Um, and when you do look at his numbers, he hasn't had a huge amount of opportunity where he's played bigger minutes. Um, I mean, but when he has, like he had a stretch of, of four rounds averaging basically 46 minutes last year, four weeks in a row. He only averaged sort of mid-30s. So that's a bit of an issue, although still probably eight points better than what he was. Bit of a slow burn. I mean, I guess for me, the reason why it's interesting is because I'd like to spend less there. So to be able to use 60K instead of Lodge and put it somewhere else and just leave Ogden there as a bit of a slow burn for eight weeks or something, I I think that's a bit more appealing for my, my side. If it's going to make make you coin and you're happy with the slow burn, as long as you've got backup so that you don't ever have to play. But you've probably got a guy like, uh, don't make me say his name, Stefanopoulos, I believe you call it, from the Tigers, who's going to take you. Yeah, who's going to take your other backup spot. So if someone goes down, you haven't got another guy to play. Unless you've got, unless you're one of those guys that's in a rare situation where you've got a dual second row that you can cover. It's definitely a consideration. Ogden and Hetherington, I'm going to, I, I think I'm going to take Ogden just because he's cheaper. So I reckon I'm going to go for that. But a couple of other things that were quite interesting with the Dogs team, Waddell's got the edge spot. Now, Waddell's been a Barrett favourite forever. So it's kind of not surprising. But, on, but you know, RFM has been touted as, you know, a, a guy that was definitely going to start. He had a bit of an injury cloud. Now he's on the bench. 
when he started last year, he was arguably their best forward most of the time. I just think that whole back row is a little bit hazy on how they're actually going to work it um, and how the minutes are going to come. Which brings us to Josh Jackson. Now, we spoke about him as a bit of a meat and potatoes guy, but moving to 13, he's going to give you some solid points. He can probably edge towards 60 if he gets the minutes. And lo and behold, he's now starting 13, and their bench has got a, uh, a backup hooker on it, and then three forwards, and one of them is Napa, who is a lower minute prop forward, and Fatala Marino, who's normally going to be playing on an edge, uh, and then another young guy who isn't, you would think, going to get many minutes. So all of a sudden, Josh Jackson looks like he could get bulk minutes, uh, and at 439k, I think TLT put his stocks up as well. I put it up a bit, but I think he's still just a plotter. He's not exactly an Aiden Tolan plotter because the, you know, the guy is strong. He's probably a little bit more more mobile, maybe less injury prone. Um, but I just don't think he's going to get any sort of attack. He's not a big tackle buster. He's not an offloader. He's not going to get anything apart from that. You know, that they staple. I don't even think it's one point per minute. I reckon he probably is like a point eight or a point nine point per minute type guy in the middle. And unless he's getting eighty, which I really doubt. I just don't see much value in him apart from a little bit of an increase. Yeah, I mean, look, if you were to say that he was going to get 0.8 and he played 65 minutes, I think that's kind of what you can look at. And, I mean, even then it's it's tough, but that's only going to be low 50s. So I think that he can probably get better than that. I think that he can probably get towards 60. But I guess the lack of upside is what probably turns me off as well. Um, but I'm going to be watching Josh Jackson with some interest to see what type of role he's going to play in that middle and whether it kind of rejuvenates him a little bit. As far as this particular game, mate, it's it's obviously a night side that doesn't have Kalen Ponga in it. It's normally a bulk captaincy option against sides like this, and everyone's normally jumping on him. They don't have any of those sort of strike weapons. The Dogs are a, an improved team, but a newer team. Um, I don't see any sort of captain or vice-captain options in this one, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> I'm struggling to find a guy in that team I would actually want to put as my fourth reserve, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> but the only person in the dogs team I'm actually kind of interested in would be RFM, and that's if for some reason, if for some reason there's injuries and he comes back to 80 minutes off and he and he's devalued a little bit. Yeah, RFM was a bit of a bolter a couple of months ago, and um, and now unfortunately he's on the bench and looks like he's carrying an injury, so. As far as the result goes, my bet of the week for Top Sport for this one, I saw Top Sport could give you plus 10.5 points for the Dogs and still pay you $1.45. Now, $1.45 isn't big odds, but I reckon the Dogs are a chance of an upset here. Um, the Knights lose to a lot of pretty bad sides. They don't have Kalen Ponga. They don't have Blake Green. And the Dogs have got a new side under Barrett. You'd think that they're kind of pumped for the start of the season. They've got a few big recruits too with Kyle Flanagan and Kotrick. Uh, I, I reckon the dogs could win outright, but if you want to be safe, plus ten and a half dollar forty-five. There's there's no reason why the dog why the dogs can't come out of box. You you got to remember it's every team is in first position at the moment, so you, you can't tell the dogs or the tigers or the warriors that you know they're 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 paying three dollars or four or three dollars fifty against, and they they got like a twelve a minus minus or plus sorry plus twelve plus twelve line, mate. And until someone goes over the white stripe, they're it, it's nil. It's, it's it's pretty obvious. So don't let the every, everyone's got to get some match fitness. Don't be surprised if there's some upsets this week because no one ever tips eight out of eight every week. And there's a reason for that. Favorites don't always come in. Yeah, if you think the dogs can get across the line, they're currently two dollars fifty on Top Sport. So that's a that's massive for them. I think they're a good a good chance of winning. 
Broncos versus Eels is the next one, so we get to talk about your boys, Billy. Uh, but we'll start with the Broncos. Jordan Ricky named on the edge. What we were hoping for, 277,000. Looked fantastic in the All-Stars game. Now that he's starting on that edge, and there is no Corey Oates on the bench either, he's been relegated to intrust supercut rather than a be a, you know, a bed, bench edge back rower, which means that Ben Teo is an edge back rower on the bench, and he's a really small minute backup guy. So Ricky is pretty close to Connor Watson territory of being a must-have, I reckon. 277k, second row forward. Uh, he's the only guy, I think, that is cheaper than hosts at starting. So I'm all aboard the Ricky chain, uh, train. I reckon everybody should be on there. I kind of assumed that was a given. I didn't even have any notes on him apart from he looked good and just get him in. I, I would even, I wouldn't even be afraid of having him in your starting thirteen, let alone starting seventeen, mate. Yeah, and that's a good thing with him. Like you know, if you've got some other guys that are sort of two hundred fifty to three hundred k, a lot of them you don't really want to be starting, and that's where the value erodes in having some of these guys in your side when you're searching for guys when there's no cheapies. You don't want to be starting those type of guys, but if you can get a, a guy that's starting at that at that price point, and you can comfortably play them in your 17, uh, that's fantastic. So uh, I'm all over Ricky. I think everybody should have him in their side. When you're having a look at this team for the Broncos, Billy, the other thing that we got to come through finally was uh, New got named at centre like we are hoping for. He didn't get suspended from his driving charges, which is great. So he's he's there as a must-have for me for round one now. 220-odd thousand as a centre wing when there isn't many cheapies. I think everybody should be having him in now for TLT as well. Yeah, another one that everyone should have penciled in. Um, he's not even just a cheap mate. He's actually a pretty bloody good player. I'm surprised he's so cheap still. I, I thought he would have done a little bit better. But uh, he, the only way is up, mate. I just think he's the type of guy that everyone should have. And I, I don't know many people that wouldn't actually be starting him, to be honest. Yeah, I know a few people have asked some questions on when Huss comes back, because TPJ is starting at prop with Lodge, and a few people sort of said, oh, well, you know, when Huss comes back, does that mean that TPJ is going to go back and he's going to start on that edge and it's going to push Ricky back to the bench and then Ricky's a bit of a trap? I don't think that's going to be the case at all. Uh, I think that Lodge is the one that goes back to the bench, Huss starts, and you've got Payne Huss and... Uh, TPJ is your two front row forwards. That's how I see Kevy doing it. I don't see him dropping a Ricky to, to bring Haas back in. Yeah, best way to do it is just to own all of them so you don't have to worry about making the decision. <laughs> I don't want to own the Broncos pack, mate. <laughs> um, speaking about it, though, there is a couple of guys that absolutely died on TLT today for the Broncos. Asiata is gone as an option. Uh, Oates isn't even on the bench. He's in Intrust Super Cup, so he's no longer an option. But some, some people have actually looked and said, oh, well, you know, Mead is very cheap. In a, in a TLT where we don't have many cheapies, can we put David Mead in? My answer would be definitely not, Billy. Do not go near David Mead. I, I can co- haven't even bothered writing any notes on him. <laughs> I think there's some, players, there's some players in Supercoach that you just should know about. Yeah, look, Mead's only 230k odd, so he is cheap, but you may as well just go for all those other options. You know, Obviously, New's going to be one of them, but Simonson's 30k cheaper. Uh, and there's a few other guys like Saab and et cetera. You know, they're all much better options options than Mead. Mead's job security is very questionable. They do have uh, Kenner out with an injury as well. They've got a couple other guys there that are pushing too. And Mead's in his 30s and sort of, a, you know, was signed for depth. Um, and obviously Oates is in the in the background too. So I wouldn't be going near Mead. It certainly smells a little bit trappish. But as far as their bench goes, someone that we didn't talk about when we did the Broncos... 
uh, podcast on their team preview was Turpin. Now, at the moment, there is no bench hooker um, or even bench utility. So Turpin looks like he's going to start and get 80. If they do have a hooker in the extended bench, um, I have to wonder whether he's going to come in or not. If he doesn't, Turpin's looking at 80 minutes and um, all of a sudden I think a few people are looking at him at TLT time. He comes in in 2021 after only playing six games last year. So didn't get through many, was injured a couple of times, but he did look pretty dynamic at times. Now he averaged 49 points a game in 59 minutes. 393 price point. I don't think he can do it at all, but it's worth mentioning that, you know, if he somehow is going to end up getting 80 and Kevy is a bit crazy, so maybe the 17 stays as it is. Uh, his you know, points are going to go up by 25%, and you'd expect his price to kind of go up the same at least, so he's an easy 100 k <laughs> I find it really hard talking about the Bronco, Broncos utilities and nines and halves. They just don't, they just don't, make, any, they just don't make any sense to me. But they might they might be able to go on small, small, small game tears, but they just, they just don't have enough consistent value in there. And particularly, like, like you said, with new coach, mate, there's absolutely no idea what he's going to do. Like, he's... He might have his favourites, but he hasn't coached any games yet, so it's hard to tell what he's got, who, what he's going to do with them, how many minutes they're going to get, what his rotation is going to be. I just don't think there's enough minutes in there to get some consistency or some confidence around what you can do pod-wise, particularly when the guys aren't exactly based, like rock-bottom dollar, like 173k. It is an interesting one, because if he plays 80 minutes suddenly, like especially for draft, and we don't talk about draft enough, but for draft, you know, Turpin could be a real number nine sneaky option for someone to pick up. Um, but I, I struggle to see what Walters is thinking if he's going to play 80 minutes off the back, off the bat. So maybe that, that bench changes up a little bit. Uh, as far as the Eels go, like your boys named pretty much the side that we expected them to name. So it was probably the most boring TLT out of all of them. There wasn't really any changes to what we thought the lineup was going to be. But one of the things that did change in the last few weeks is since we did the team preview, it's come to light that um, Mitchell Moses and Madison are going to move from the right-hand side across to the left. And Lane and Dylan Brown are going to move to the right-hand side from the left-hand side. That's really interesting. Um, I, I was reading that apparently both of those halves prefer the sides that they're moving to. Uh, and obviously that puts Moses and Madison on that Sivo side as well. And Sivo's been on the end of a lot of tries, but also could have gotten more ball than what he has from Dylan Brown. Um, so I kind of like it for all those guys. Um, and I also really like it against the uh, the Broncos. I've, I think that on that side, like, and really both the Broncos sides, Billy, you know, you've got, you've got Alex Glenn and Ricky on the edges, and, you know, Ricky looks like a good prospect, but he hasn't really started many NRL games, so he's a bit green. And you've got Croft and Milford on either side, as well as the halves, and both of those guys are specials to miss tackles and to be run out all day. So you'd expect, you know, both of those edges to get some heavy traffic. Um, so I'm quite liking either one of those sides, really, for the Eels to sort of go over. You're right in that, uh, you know, I hear the halves are moving to their predominant, to their dominant side, although I still wouldn't get guys like um, um, Mo- Moses who haven't proved themselves yet at that point. It's more, probably a little bit more concerning for guys like Madison because even though it might be Moses' dominant side, like it's not it's not for Madison. Like I'd much rather the guy on, on the right where I know he's going to perform. Like you got, you're comparing to Lane on the left. Like I don't know how much short ball 
Lane got what what sort of opportunities he had. I, I would just like to see Madison get more get more opportunity, which opportunity for ball, which I think is on the right hand side. I don't think it throws a spanner in the works. Put it that way. Uh, uh, those guys aren't going to score any less than what they did last year. I like it, even just from the perspective that um, Brad Arthur's letting letting those guys put themselves in a position to attack and to attack at their best. Like I, I just like the attitude of it, and I think that they're. I think against this Broncos side leads us into the captaincy options. Like Madison could really carve up either side that he's on doesn't really matter to me. Um, and as a non-safe option, um, I'm someone with Mitchell Moses as a backup as a VC because I'll probably see Teddy. A VC hand grenade Mitchell Moses. Um, I could see I could see a big Eels win straight up, Billy. I'm not rating the Broncos. Yeah, I can see that too, mate. I'm just not trying not to get too excited. <laughs> um, <laughs> but. I think the the one smoky in this, and I, I couldn't do it because he's he's not absolute rock bottom dollar. But I think the one the one beneficiary here might be um the, a basic like he's he's not really going to do anything in any team. But if you if you if you're right in the middle of a guy like Moses on his on his preferred side, and a guy like Madison jammed in between those two, and a, and a bloke like Sivo. If you're going to get an opportunity to get a short ball or fall over the line, surely it's surely it's in between those three. Yeah, it's a good point. Um, I mean, the opposite for for big, for Tomo as well, starting at centre, is that um, New's going to be lined up against him, and Tom hasn't been the greatest defender. Um, some Cowboys fans would know that for sure when he's starting the centres. So, I mean, it might be good for New as well, um, and I'm definitely going to be starting him as well, um, straight up as one of my cheapies in the centre wings. I think that he could have a good matchup against Tomo. Yeah, yeah, I'll be doing the same, mate. I'll be doing it versus any team, but um, as much as I love the Eels too, and I think that they're, they're going to really sort of drive a score against the, um, the Broncos, mate, it doesn't matter how good how good they are. They, 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 they still seem... Ha- they still, they still seem to have that 10, 15-minute lapse where they just look like that, you know... the under twelve Girl Scouts team could come and dominate them. They just seem to leak leak some points when you when you least expect it. And I think that's where a bloke like Newey can sort of do a little bit of damage or some unknown guys on on, on the Broncos edge. Yeah, I mean, I guess for the Broncos, it is at Suncorp Stadium, so that hurts the Eels a little bit. Um, if it was at Bank West, it'd probably be a little bit better. Talking about Smokies for captain seasons as well. Well, it'll be a, it'll be a drier too. It'll be a dry track too. Like. I'm, I'm just wearing shorts and seeing one at the moment. It's a, it's really dry track, so I'm not I'm not sure what the weather's like downstairs. I know I, I know that sort of early in the season we generally sort of get uh, get a few showers. So if you if you really want a um, uh, an early game in the weekend where you're going to get a dry track and, and possibly a weak team, it probably uh, gives you a bit of an advantage doing a VC on, a VC on someone like Moses on um, on a Friday night in Brisbane. Or even Gutho comes to mind as well. I mean, if Gutho starts off strong, um, Broncos traditionally have had well, well, against he'll be, other fullbacks. Well, he'll be, well if, Moses, if that's Moses' good side and Gutho's sweeping that side, goes Gutho's going to be right, 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 right at the back, right at the back of Moses' short ball, long ball. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I mean, it's, I think Gutho's a very good option as a VC as well. Um, with Teddy playing later in the round and some of the other big um, captaincy options that you could go for. As far as a top sport bet, mate, I rarely see Mike Acevo paying a dollar ninety-two to score any time in a game. And against the Broncos, I can't see him not scoring. You know, he scores eighty percent of his games anyway. Um, playing the Broncos, pumped up for round one, injury-free. 
Dollar ninety two is fantastic odds. I did do a comparison with sports bet. Dollar sixty seven sports bet had him. Dollar ninety two on top sports. So that's my bet for this one. And I reckon that your boys uh, win pretty easy. Top sport always had better odds, mate. I use them for racing a lot on the weekends, and you often find something at fifteen to one with every other book he has them at ten or eleven. So I'm not surprised about that. If I had to have a bet this weekend, I'd go a uh, first try scorer with uh, Madison. Oh, Matto. I like it. That's a that's a big one, but it's a good one. It's going to pay well. You know the stats I love. Uh, this has been true for the last three years. Broncos leak versus opposing edges, and Eels leak versus opposing forwards. So if you're gonna if you're gonna go a first try scorer, it, it would be an Eels edgy versus the Broncos, or an any time try scorer Broncos versus the Eels. Just pick one of the big fellas to go at any time at ten fifteen to one. Jeez, you're really making me you're really making me want to go for Madison. Um, with those stats and stuff, I'm really going to have to have a think about it. Maddo could be a really good option for captaincy for this round. Uh, as far as the next game goes, we've got the Warriors and the Titans. Now, this one was an interesting TRT. Um, there was a few hopes for the Warriors. Curran was coming through strong the last few weeks for the Warriors. He's actually in the extended squad. He didn't even make the bench, so he's a dead option as far as a cheap guy at secondary forward that was 200k. And Murdoch Marcella is definitely dead. Um, Wacko pointed out that he was training on an edge. It looked like he might have got big minutes. He became a bit of an option to look at. He's on the bench, so he's gone. Then we've got Egan named as well, uh, which was very interesting because we thought that he was injured, but he's there, which means that we've got a four-forward bench, including Jazz Tavaga, who is probably going to spell Egan that you'd think, but also play some middle minutes. Uh, but the big surprise was probably... Siren and ended up getting that edge spot over both Curran or Murdoch Masala. So Siren and all of a sudden became an option that no one was really looking at because he, he looked like that he was going to be a bench forward and a decent signing for them. And then all of a sudden he, he snared that, um, that edge jumper. Bailey Siren comes in at 348,000. So he's not hugely expensive. Um, average 39 points a game in 52 minutes. If he's playing 80 minutes, he projects quite well. Um, I guess the problem is that if they've got that four-forward bench with Jazz being a, a forward and also a hooker, um, it may not work out too well for his minutes and maybe he only plays 60, but it is interesting because I do think that Sirenin's quite talented. Yeah, but if he comes on, he's going to go to hooker or he's going to go to um, <clears throat> lock, and which means you know, Tohu can go back to edge and rotate, or you've got BMM who can come on and do, and do edge, so... I think I think I don't think he's going to get get eighty. I think there's too many too many uh, red flags there, mate. So absolute no for me. Yeah, he's. I think that he's someone that you can um, target as a downgrade option potentially. If after the first two weeks he does get eighty minutes somehow, uh, you can have a look at him a bit later on and um, and do it before the price rises come if someone else doesn't work out in your forward pack. I mean, their their bench has a Foa, Armel, and Murdoch Masala on it, and you know, BMM can play edge or middle. Um, Afoa has played edge or middle as well, but will probably play middle. Armour is a, a prop, and then Tavaga plays middle or hooker. So, yeah, it's probably going to be hard on a lot of these Warriors forwards to see how it's going to work, but I don't think it matters for Fanil Blake um, because he was playing such little minutes anyway. I don't think that having, you know, that type of forward-heavy bench really is going to matter to him as an option, and he's firming as a pretty good one now. Yeah, he is, mate. I really don't have anything else to add apart from exactly what you said. Um, you're basically repeating my notes. My uh, notes, note for note on that one. 
<laughs> well, their opposition is going to be the Titans. Uh, they've gone for a three-forward bench. Looks pretty decent for the middles because they've got Clark on there that's obviously going to play some hooker minutes, although he can play in the back row as well. Um, and that's probably the main thing for them. Now, it seemingly looks pretty good for guys like you know, Fodawaka, uh and Tino. The, the, Titan, the Titans' middle is something like under Nard about ages. I, I was with you. I was on the I was on the uh, anti-Tino brigade for months, but it ended up, ended up sort of um, coming back to him all, coming back to him all the time and looking at the bench and looking at the minutes and thinking, you know what? Yeah, I know he's got a lot of tries in him, but the guys are decent. So worst case scenario, you get what you pay for. And what happens if he actually plays sixty minutes? All of a sudden, I think then I'm in a world of pain trying trying to catch up with the, with the one with the one guy that every manly dog has got. So, I think I think he's the type of bloke that you probably. I don't think he's going to hurt you too bad, but I think he's too much of a decent option at the price not not not, not to get, particularly with um the second, particularly with the second row forward, the front row front row front row forward dual capability there. Um. Uh, Just a Tino question for you on yeah. what you reckon is going to happen. Like one of the things that I, because I looked at, I put him in for a moment as well, and then having a look at the TLT, I was like, oh, Peachy's on the bench and he's not going to, he's not going to be a utility and he's not going to fill in at hooker if they get an injury because they got Clark there. So Peachy's going to go to thirteen. Like that seems to be Peachy's role now. Um, so if he's going to thirteen, he's going to take thirty minutes at thirteen. So how does that really leave Tino? Um, who's starting at, at lock, you know, well, do you think that he would move to prop or does he end up having his minutes capped because Peachy's going to get his minutes? Like, that was a bit of a question mark for me with the with the team list. Yeah, I know, I know what you mean. But at the, at, the end, at the end of the day, I just kept looking at different different guys to throw in there and I just didn't like, I just didn't like them and I kind of figured, you know what, at least Tino, you know, he's going to get, I know he's going to get 50 minutes. I, I know, I know, I know what danger value he has. I mean, I look, if you look at the size of him the other day when he had that line break in the trial, he, he, I know he's a massive unit, but I didn't realize, realize he was as lean as, as what he was. He doesn't need Cam Smith to put him put him over the line. He, he just needs a few minutes on the field, field, but he will find some line breaks. He will find some tackle bars. He will find some offloads. I think his minutes will organically increase uh, throughout the year. They're not going to pay a bloke that sort of money just to just to have extremely short sub-50 minutes. I think you're going to get a minimum 50 minutes. An absolute worst case scenario, if he doesn't go over the line, he's still going to get a guy that punches 55 points in, in, in the front row. I mean, if he were 600k, then yeah, wouldn't bother with him, with him at all. But I think he's just in that sort of tricky kind of sweet spot that just still has upside. Yeah, he is firming a little bit for me to sort of try and make room for him as well. Um, as far as the game goes, I didn't really think that there was any captaincy or vice-captaincy options because I'm not too sure what to make of these teams yet. Did you have any penciled in? Uh, no, I didn't even think about it, man. <laughs> I mean, um, Brimson um, would be the smoky. If you own Brimson, maybe a VC. Brimson might be a smoky for, for this Warriors side that's still trying to come together. Yeah, I think that's probably a really good call. I think um, Titans do have a really good draw. Yeah, Brimson looks like a decent option to have um, if you're going to throw a VC on someone for a, a big pod round one score because I don't think many people will do it with him. The bet for this week for top sport that I like is the uh, the Titans just to win $1.63. Nice, easy one. I reckon they can get over the top of the Warriors. It might take a bit of time to get themselves together under Brownie. And the Titans have been building pretty nicely. So next game on the slate, Roosters versus Manly. As far as the Roosters go, pretty much expected, except for a couple of things. 
uh, Radley and Verrills out there. When Radley and Verrills come back, which will be pretty soon, um, they'll push uh, Fafida and Kieran off the bench, it looks like. That's pretty stock standard type of Roosters team. So um, Fafida looked like a bit of an option to maybe grab as like a, a cheapie on, on the bench for the Roosters and have a bit of a slow burn. He's not really going to get the minutes, Daniel Fafida. Um, 186,000. I suppose you could throw him in there because he, being named on the bench in TLT round one, it does put him in the framers. You know, if they do have a forward injury, he's one of the first ones that's probably going to be thrown in on the bench. Um, and he does have pretty big wraps on him. Um, he's only played the four career games, but he's a bit of a beast. Would you go on someone like that to get a couple of games out of them, knowing that maybe they'll play down the track and just having there is enough that might get some games in and a couple of rises? Uh, not for me, particularly when you've got a guy like uh, Warrior Hargraves who didn't make the starting side and who's on the bench. And even if he did go back to starting, those other guys that you were just talking about are the first guys that come in and take the sort of 20, 30 minutes. I just don't think he gets um, enough minutes for playtime or um, price increase um, on, on that bench in that team, mate. Yeah, look, when he comes in, it's going to be for someone that's the tough, decent. So there will be some minutes on offer. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't do it myself um, because there's a few other guys that we're going to talk about the round. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if he um, if he gets some games this year and he plays pretty well. Moving along to the other beneficiary of TLT for the Roosters, Collins ended up starting with Warrior Hargraves on the bench. A little bit surprising to some, um, but Collins has been coming along and Warrior Hargraves is really a half a game type of prop now. So not hugely surprising, um, but as far as Collins goes, definitely improved his game the last couple of years. He only played 39 minutes a game last season. So because of that, he's priced at 411000 coming off an average of 46 points. We haven't spoken about him at all. Can't see anyone going near him, but there is a few you know, diehard fans, uh, especially that followed his junior career up in Queensland, who think that he's you know, going to bust out and become a, an alpha prop in that pack and all these type of things. I don't see it, um, just because... I still think that in that Roosters pack, you know, he'd be capped at 50 minutes at, a, at the max, and that's just not going to be enough to outlay 411k for him. Uh, but I'm sure in real life he'll, he'll play, play pretty well, um, and he might actually be even a, a draft option, but you, you definitely can't go near him uh, for round one. Yeah, I hadn't really looked at him at all until um, 30 seconds ago. <laughs> <laughs> He's got a 1.25 ppm for a uh, 1.18 season ppm, but games between 40, 40 minutes and 55 minutes. He had an average of 57 or 45 minutes. It's not too bad. He's got a he's got a good motor. Um, and he gets in. I mean, one of the big things for him is that he he did have a tendency to make a lot of mistakes, uh, and that hurt yeah. his super coach scores as well. But he's sort of started to get better at that the last 18 months. But 411k is just the thing that throws me. Like I think there's too many other props, and yeah, Hargrave's probably going to be 40 minutes, but they do have enough middles. When, I mean, you mentioned that for Daniel Fafida won't get many minutes. I think the problem is that flows on to Collins is that when Daniel Fafida is out of the team, it's going to be because Isaac Liu goes from a starting 13 to the bench and Radley starts at 13. And then all of a sudden that puts Liu in the prop rotation. Yeah, he was a 90% base, but that's not exactly a great thing either. Um, I think uh, half, of his, half of his games there were 100% base, so... Um, that ta- it doesn't really include tackle bus, so th- there's no real sort of base uh, base attack in there or sort of um, clutch. So 
although he's probably got a little bit of an increase in there and a decent, and a decent PA, P, PPM, he's still going to be fighting for minutes against guys like Warrior Hargraves and probably probably doesn't have any real attack to really sort of bump him right up. So I think he's probably more of a draft option or maybe sort of a, 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 a betting option if those SC markets come back out, but I probably couldn't have him in the classic version. Yep, yep. Other good thing that the Roosters bench does for TLT as far as Supercoach options is it solidifies both Satili Tupanua and Angus Crichton as, as definitely looking like they're going to be getting 80 minutes, so there's no question that Satili is going to get 80 with that bench, it looks like. Going forward as well, uh, if they're going to keep having that utility like Kieran there, uh, three forward bench for TKO looks very good. For the first round or two, when they've got Radley out and Verrills out, it looks even better because, I mean, Daniel Fafita's probably only going to play 25 to 30 minutes, um, and then you've got uh, Utility on there. So it, it looks really good for TKO for round one. Um, if anyone doesn't have him in, that bench just solidifies him as a, as a good, decent, big-minute sort of option. Yeah, even without the goal kicking, that that, um, that bench would give you give you a bit more confidence and throw him in there. But throw in the goal kicking again for you know whatever time he's on the field, that just kind of solidifies it for me. Yep. And Manly's probably one of the sides that had up there with the most changes. I mean, we should just call Des the dream crusher because old Desi's just thrown everything out the window that was an option really for Supercoach. We sort of had. Custon and Schuster as maybe being halves because Kieran Foran was made, it was going to come in as a nine and all this other rubbish. Started old Lachlan Croker at nine, of course, and um, and of course Foran's at six. So Schuster and Custer are out of the picture. Um, and the other one was Pasika. So a few people were saying Pasika might be an option. He's a bit of a beast. And I was saying on the podcast just last week when I was talking with Luke that um, the smart thing to do would be for Alawai to come off the bench. But of course Alawai's starting, so Pasika's dead. And the other one is Gazowski. So we were chatting about how the smart move is always going to be Gazowski on the bench, and that would see Davies start. Davies been a relatively popular option after being bought over from your reels. And Davies on the bench and Gazowski starting. So absolute mayhem. Des has killed four or five different super coach options that people were looking at, but he has put Saab in on the wing. So Saab becomes all of a sudden the the must-have cheapie that we're all praying for that's still 220-odd K, but you take that for centre wing from this DLT. Um, I almost didn't. <laughs> he pencilled him in about two hours ago. Not really keen on him, but you've got to have someone. So he's almost bottom dollar. So, yeah, easier to throw him and make, make 100, 150K. Might be slightly, but it doesn't matter. It's, it's money. The other big change as well is that Walker is actually named at fullback. Um, and they've got Funa, who's a fullback on the bench, uh, which is very, very interesting. So Walker is someone that me and Luke didn't talk about last week, mainly because we can't talk about every player as much as we try in the team previews. But he's also got a court case, I think, next month as well, um, which potentially could see him suspended maybe. But Dylan Walker starting at fullback is a much better proposition than him starting at centre. It's obviously not a great matchup first up. Um, but he's only 306,000, Billy, and he's a dual centre-wing 5.8 that you can get as a full-back. I think that he definitely becomes more of an option. He's only priced at a 35 average. Playing at full-back, he should do a lot better than that. Uh, you've probably got at least a month of that before Turbo maybe comes back, but even then, maybe Turbo doesn't. You know, have you thought a little bit more about Dylan Walker after seeing him named at one? Not really. It just seems pretty dirty, but he's um, he's definitely under still. Like, if you... He, if you look at his um, 
game, games last year, what, 80 minutes, 42, 86, 51, uh, 40, 46. So he's got average 56 of 77 minutes in the four games that he started. He's, he's got three. He's got, sorry, I lie. There was one game in there versus the Storm, which I took out. I like doing that just to get a real indication versus <laughs> the rest, versus the rest of the comp. Um, but yeah, 11 minute and three minute game in there. So that, so it's not, it's not terrible. So this is from center. So 19 points and hit ups, 17 points, 16 points and, uh, five. It's pretty ordinary, but his he, offloads there, his long break consists are there. The, the tackle bust there. So I, I don't think he's actually a really bad option. I just, I just think Manly are a bad team, but they've still got Cherry Evans, mate. They're not going to be absolutely terrible. I, I actually don't think he's a bad option. I'd, and at the price, if you somehow had some coin in reserve, contemplating a, a not a pitiful but more of a half decent option as a, as a fourth or fifth, I'd actually be inclined to try and find the extra 150, 200 grand to go up to him as opposed to Saab if I could. Yeah, I, I I like him as a decent option. Like in a vacuum, just looking at his price and everything, and named at fullback, I like it. And I even looked at maybe trying to put him in my side. The thing that held me back was their draw is not good, and I don't think Manly's that crash hot at the moment either. So they got the Roosters, South, Dragons, Penrith, and I look at that first month for a reason because after that first month, you got Turbo back, so you could kind of cop like. You'd cop a bad game against the Roosters and Souths and then say, oh, well, you know, he's going to get some games where he's going to hit big scores from fullback. The problem is, three of the first four weeks, he's playing potentially even the top three top four sides. And he's only really got that Dragons game in round three where he could really beat up and, you know, go on some big attack. I mean, it is a bit of a revenge game against Souths, but they're quite a good side. So, you know, if they if you had the second month of Warriors, Titans, Tigers, then Penrith... Yeah, I'd, I'd probably have him in for that run. It's just that first month run where he's going to get to play fullback probably puts me off. I hadn't really looked at him at all um, until I looked at a few of those number, numbers at fullback. I mean, is there? Do we know when Gatwin Turbo is actually coming back 100%? Because if it was round two or three, then I wouldn't it wouldn't even bother. But if it's if it's possibly going to get sort of three or four rounds out of him, out of him at fullback and get a few runs and get some, get a three game rolling average behind him, it might really kind of help as a platform to someone a lot quicker than what Saab might do. Yeah, he's definitely going to get a few weeks. Like I think Turbo is slated to miss the first month. So, you know, whether yeah, okay. that flows out or not, he's going to get more than his 35 average, even with the tough matchups. Other thing evident with his manly side is that they've got Funa on the bench, like I mentioned. Now he's, he's a back. So. Where he's going to go, no one knows. Uh, but the others are Davey, who's an edge back rower, who you'd think would definitely spell Gauze. Um And then they've got Big Boyle and Paseka, two big fellas that, that can't play heavy minutes. So they've only got two middle forwards there, Billy. I That bench looks really, really good for Tapao. Uh, me and Luke were saying last week when we were doing the review that Tapao looks like a good option because he was only playing 45 minutes last year, which is very low. But the smart thing to do would be to play him 55 to 60, which you can do easily and has done before, but because Dez doesn't normally do what you think, it's probably never going to happen. With that bench, um, I could see Tapao doing 55 quite easily. I think he's still going to start slow. Um, he, the guy's got to get some fitness too. The guy, the, the other thing is you never know when he's going to get suspended too. We talk about that every year. Um, the guy could the guy could throw an extra 10 minutes in the game. You get to round three all excited and all of a sudden, yeah, send off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, there's always going to be that risk. I just mean like... Obviously, Funa's a back, Davies an edge back rower, and Boyle Paseka are both two 
you know, 120 kilo wrecking ball front rowers that can't play big minutes. And under the new rules as well, coaches are having to give those type of guys less minutes and guys like Marty more minutes. You know, it didn't didn't equate to it last year, but Paseca and Boyle can't do big minutes. So unless that bench changes, which it could... I hadn't actually thought of it, but I think you can make a really valid point there, mate. I think you're right. I think he does get more minutes right off the bat. I honestly hadn't thought about it, but I think you're probably right. I think he just... I don't think he works his way into the season. I think he's probably been grounded ground in the off-season for match fitness and probably starts with 55, 50, 50 plus. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually really warming to Tapao, um, looking at that bench if it stays that way. Um, I think that Tapao's a real sneaky option now. Uh, Marty Tapao's going to be very, very low ownership as well. Um, everyone's gone well off him. And 45 minutes was the lowest he's played. He's played 50s, you know, all the other times. So, I mean, at worst, I think he's going to go from a 60 to a 65 average, at least to start with, with that bench. And that's pretty good. So, I reckon that's put Tapao into options. Um, but, mate, as far as this game goes, I mentioned that I see Tedesco as an option for captaincy. I really do. Um, I I think Manly are going to struggle without Turbo. Uh, they struggled last year without him, but they look like, you know, the side that they've put together against the Roosters... I am pretty confident in just putting the C on Tedesco. I think you and everyone that owns him, mate, <laughs> you're not gonna you're not gonna buy him and not captain him. Yeah, I mean, like uh, people do strange things, mate, and it's round one, so people might be scared of Teddy starting slow, or they don't have like last week's big scores to look at to go, oh yeah, he's on fire, you know. I mean, I think that his ownership's sub forty percent as well, so it's not like you know it's high ownership, but it could be higher, you know. I reckon. 27, 28% will captain him. And that sort of scares me even more into captaining him because for round one, I kind of don't want to be behind the eight ball. If he decides to throw up 125, I don't want to miss that. And I can't see him throwing below a sort of 65, which is what you're going to get from a stock standard type of forward option anyway. So I, I like Tedesco against the Seagulls. I think he could really carve them. Let's be honest, too. Like the guy can throw up a 25-35 in the last three or four years. I think the first two games he hasn't done that in either first or second or first or second game. So if you're captain him, be prepared for the fact that there could be an anomaly first game due to uh, not not due to, but first game scores 20-35 points, but he generally come back the second game or the alternate game and thrown up a ton. So more of averages is he's, he's going to go well. I just can't, I just can't go past the fact that. In his first five 80 minute games last year, he averaged 147. So, <laughs> I'm captaining. Yeah. Oh, I, I tell you the play that I reckon we're going to see. Between Alawai, Boyle, and Pasaka, three of those guys, two of those three are going to be on the field at the same time. I can see the Jake friend dart out a dummy half and go for the trick play of throwing the ball back inside behind the ruck to Tedesco. And one or two of those guys just being completely caught out with the new rules and the speed. Uh, and Teddy's just going to go straight over the line. As far as the the winners on this one, I obviously see the Roosters winning, and I think they'll do it 10-plus. Um, everyone will laugh at that from last year, but, you know, Manly's not looking that good. But Top Sport, they've got Daniel Tupo, and we talk about guys that are, you know, big value. $2.04 for Daniel Tupo to score any time right now. Again, he's another guy that on other betting agencies are around $1.70, $1.80. is huge value for Tupo to score. Uh, and these manly wingers aren't great, and really their backline isn't great. So that's my bet for this one. Yeah, he did really well last year. Have a decent bet on him. I'd probably go a uh, more of a Brett Morris double type. 
yeah, look, why don't we just go say both of them are going to score? <laughs> Morris said Tupo. Let's talk about the um, the next one to get through these games. We've got Penrith and uh, North Queensland Cowboys. Uh, for Penrith, I think the thing that stuck out for everybody, first of all, is that Capewell got named to start in the second row over Liam Martin. Now, on the surface, Billy, you know, you'd sort of go, oh, okay, well, he's eligible as a, a centre wing, um, playing in the second row, much like what we got with, you know, Yo the last year and, and guys the years before that where they've been eligible and they've just killed it with their base and forward stats um, as one of your centre wings. And he comes in at only 423,000 as well. So on the surface, looks great. Um, unfortunately, there's a lot more to it when you have a look at the team list a little bit closer. Uh, for one, you know, Capel's never averaged 80 minutes uh, in his life. He's played the odd game, but he just doesn't do it. Um, and he's one of those guys we've spoken about in years past where he's PPM on the edge. He's really got to play heavy minutes to be able to make it worthwhile, at least 65, but you're kind of preferring to be playing 80. And Liam Martin is on the bench, and that's his edge spot. And it's an edge spot that he played really well in last year, I thought. And he was a bit of an attacking weapon. He, he made some good attack for them in the finals. He, he made a really good break for them. I was surprised that, um, that Liam Martin wasn't starting. So that just makes me think that Cape Ball's looking at 50 to 55 minutes, maybe 60 max. And I don't think that's enough to outlay 423k to throw him in your centre wing. And I think he's almost a bit trappish. I'm going to go there. Yeah, 100%. I've, um, I've got... I've got just just that amount of money left to try and figure out my last position, and I don't want to waste it on him. I just can't do it. I put him in. I don't like it. I'd, I'd much rather go. I, I would honestly much rather go enough in the second row to try and find a way to, to bolster up my centre three quarter bloke to a bloke like Lomax somehow. I just really think the extra coin is worth is worth it for safety and saving a trade down the track. But uh, it is a lot of extra money to find two hundred k. So I can see why a lot of people are taking a punt on him. Like. Not a bad move, might be a great move. I just think there's a, too many red flags in there to, get, to give it a go, but that's just personal preference. I think this is one of those where you just got to go personal choice, back your gut. Yeah, my gut's telling me to stay away. Um, I don't think he's going to get the minutes. He's already priced on a 53, and that's the best score that he's had the last five years. So I could not do it. And look, I would rather, I'd rather go for the big upside. Like, you know, I do have a bit of a love affair with Sivo, but He's got such a good draw, and he's only 25,000 more than Capewell. And, yeah, his base is going to be bad, and when he doesn't score a try, he's going to have some shit scores. But he scored 155 points last year. Capewell's not even going to sniff 100. Like, you just, I'd just go spend an extra 20 grand and get a genuine potential gunnish type of guy for a run like, like Sevo, and there's a lot of other guys in that type of boat as well. So... I just don't see him getting the minutes. Um, I think he's a big stay away. But in their forward pack, the other guy that uh, got named was Leota, who we were hoping he was going to get named as a starting front row forward, and he has. So with Leota named, it's pretty much everything that we predicted in the Penrith preseason podcast, but also hopeful. You got Leota named at eight, and you got a three forward bench where Martin can play some middle at thirteen, um, but he's really you know he was playing edge last year, and you got Tyrone May, who's who's a utility. So really, it's Lenu and Eisenhuth who are going to play those prop minutes. And Leota's only got to play sort of 45. So him and Fisher-Harris are going to clean up their minutes quite easily that they need to be successful. Um, so Leota, for me, is a big winner from TLT as well with that bench and being named the starter. Yeah, he was one of those guys that everyone was sort of watching over over uh, summer, wondering what, what was going to happen. Um, 
I think you've hit the nail on the head now. He he, de- he definitely is an option. I think we know what his minutes are going to be now, or a, a lot better, a lot better guesstimate than what we used to have sort of more th- more than five hours ago. So probably even a chance with, with a with a bloke like uh, Coruscant um, leading the charge close to that line as well. Unlikely, but probably a lot more chance in that team than than, than others. Yeah, I really like Leota at 350k. Other one that was a bit surprising was uh, Momorowski. And I say a bit surprising because, like, I thought that Momorowski was going to go over there and start. But a lot of people the last couple of months have sort of said no and sort of said Tyrone May is going to start at centre and, and stuff like that. Uh, and then, obviously, Naden's in the background um, as well, which, you know, he's got in trouble and everything else. But Momorowski's starting. It's there now for TLT. And he's someone that no one's really looking at very much. We haven't spoken about him. He's 380000 so he's not particularly cheap, but that's not hugely expensive. He's played 70 minutes last year and scored 48 points in that 70 minutes. The year before, 73 minutes for 55, and the year before, 80 minutes for 51. But that was only off one game, so you pretty much have to look at the last two years. If he's playing 80 minutes, um, his last two years, he's somewhere in the vicinity of around 57 points, which almost puts him towards gun territory. Now, he does have some goal-kicking, um, but, you know, he's still looking at sort of a mid-50s type of average, potentially. 380,000, um, that puts him, you know, maybe seven or eight points below where he's priced at. And he is a guy that's been waiting for his opportunity, and I do rate as a player. So, a bit of an interesting option. 380 is a little bit much, but could be a bit bold and uh, and go there instead of some of the other ones and, and might actually pay off on, on this Penrith one. Yeah, I think it was a good purchase by them. Um, I honestly thought it was just a... Uh... Uh, a filler for a little bit, but they seem to really want him. He had some decent stats. I wrote them down the other day. Like he, he was averaging sort of um, fifteen sort of runs, which is half half sort of decent for a, for a center. Um, I can't. He, you got to remember, he, he's he's going to be sitting right next to um, one of the most dominant sort of play, one of the most dominant seven, sevens available too. And if you, you're going to be starting with a bloke like um, Cleary, which I think most people are. He's going to be putting that short ball, that short ball through that little grubber behind. I think he's kind of like uh, Sam Williams as well. Cleary loves that little sort of chip kick uh, over, over, over the top, where he generally looks for uh, he generally looks for sort of uh, Naden and um, uh, Tuo, who's not there anymore. But he's still going to be throwing it through. So I think if his job security is there, which it likely is, he's he's got a, he's got a bit of value at the price. Yeah, look, his center scores last year were very good. Like, he had three scores at centre that were 110, 53, and 50 when he was playing 80 minutes. And his base in those games averaged about 30 at centre. And that was just his raw base. So, you know, he's he's got good scores in him when he plays at centre. I actually, I don't mind him as a smoky. If you, I'd want him to be a bit cheaper for me to take the punt, but I'm not going to say he's not an option. Um, as far as their opposition for this one, the Cowboys have made a couple of big changes, and one of them's just killed one of our options, Billy. So this is why, you know, I say at the top of the podcast, there's, there's options that we had as really good ones or really bad ones when we were doing the team previews that were months in advance of TLT dropping, and TLT can just throw them out the window. So certainly Valentine Holmes was one of my favourite options for centre wing. I had him straight in there from the start, uh, 500k fullback that was goal-kicking. But I said that he's got to be goal-kicking and he's got to be fullback. Now, he's been shafted to the wing, so I I can't possibly pick him on the wing at 500k. His runs just aren't as high as what they are at fullback, obviously. But the other thing, too, is that as a fullback, he was starting to really come along as a ball player. 
And he was starting to really work on that sort of the last few years he's been playing rugby league. He's been getting better and better at it. He threw some absolute pearlers last year where he got a lot of tries. He's just not going to get any of that now. He just doesn't have those stats in him that he's going to have at fullback. And I'm quite surprised. Like, I know Drinkwater's quite a nice player, but, you know, Clifford's at seven, and he's leaving. Like, he's he's going to be gone. So I don't see why Peyton's persisting with playing him when he... I really don't think that he's shown a hell of a lot. And you can have Drinkwater yeah, and Morgan there in the halves. Like, I just... I don't get it. Yeah, I don't know either, mate. I, um, that was one of my big, biggest disappointments too, having having to punt Holmes. I don't like going the full cheapy route at centre three quarter like a lot of players, like a lot of super coaches do. I just see centre centre three quarter as an opportunity to get ahead of the pack by buying at least a couple guys that are undervalued, like that are gonna have like a high floor, like your old school sort of uh, uh, Mansour or a partner. Um if if they were sort of around that sort of uh, 400, 500k mark. At a bloke that's goal kicking, uh, playing fullback, not on the wing. I just think there's superior value there. So for him not to be available is, uh, pretty disappointing. The other thing that they've done, which is a big move, is Maguire's on the bench. So he's obviously gone as an option. I mean, Cowboy spoke about Maguire as a, a bit of an option as far as like straightforward, decent points, but he's dead. The other big change that we found out about after we did the team previews in the last few weeks, um, Tom has been confirmed that he's going to play less minutes. So there's been a lot of talk about that, um, and I can still see posts now saying Tom Malolo will still be good. I uh, I'm not I have not going to go near Tom Malolo to start the year. Um, I didn't have him at the start, then I, I pushed him in after chatting with Cowboy on the team preview because I was worried, and then with the minutes I got him out of there. I think Madison and Angus Crichton are definitely in front of him if Tom Malolo is going to play less minutes. He'll still be good, but he, he might sort of be more sort of a 65 type of guy. Um, and that's someone that you can just get in later. I don't think that you need to break the bank for round one when there's other options there. Tomalolo as an option yeah, is fine, but I wouldn't want to be paying for him and not having Madison and Crichton, and I just don't think that you can fit all three of them in. And now that we know about his minutes, I'd rather just wait and see with him. Yeah, I haven't bothered with him at all. Haven't, hasn't been in any any one of my teams, mate. I um, I started with him last year, but that was purely because he was undervalued a little bit, and I kind of figured he would start well. Um, based off previous years, which he did, I think he started off with a 90 or something rather, was averaging pretty well until um, um, until he didn't. <laughs> but it, but it was good. It was good while it lasted. But um, yeah, t- even even taking the, uh, the 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 minutes off him, he just priced at an absolute premium at the moment. So I'd much rather use that um, uh, use that elsewhere on the edges. Yeah, I mean, well, from this TLT, we can see that Peyton is just throwing convention out the window and he's going to make the team that he thinks is best. Um, so that's a classic for super coaches, wait and see. You don't want to be taking risks um, with a new coach that's changing so many things around, I don't think. So pretty volatile, I reckon, for players, um, for Supercoach. So I, I'd stick clear of some of those ones like Tom Lolo for now and wait and see. As far as this game, mate, um, you know, we spoke about Teddy being a good captaincy option. Panther Stadium versus the Cowboys, who I think are going to struggle a little this year. Um, Cleary looks like a phenomenal captaincy option as well. So uh, you reckon that everyone's going to be on Teddy that owns him? I reckon a lot of people are going to say, I'm going to go Cleary instead against the Cowboys. Yeah, I think the fact that he plays earlier in the round, mate, I think everyone, not everyone, but he's he's a great VC option. I I might actually change off Teddy, to be honest. I may actually end up going with Cleary, um, just because I think this Cowboys matchup such a sweet one. And that could goes, even VC Teddy and C Cleary. Yeah, that might be an option as well. That goes straight into my top sport bet for this one. Panthers line 
I think it's incredible. Minus 9.5 points is their standard line, paying $1.90. That is the bet 100%. The Smokey bet $2.21 for Toe to score any time. Love it. I'm probably going to do both of those. So Canberra and Tigers is the next one. Now, for the Canberra side, stock standard, what we kind of thought. Obviously, we've got um, Sebastian Chris name there, which might trap a few casual players, but Jared Croker's due back any week after this one, so I wouldn't be going there. Uh, Simonson got named as we thought that he would. I, th- I think probably the surprises are on the bench um, because Starling isn't there, but they've got Havili there. But I mean, that having Havili there that often just goes to lock himself if he doesn't need to spell the number nine spot, I think that TLT really helps um, Hodgson um, as far as anyone being wor- worried because Starling would have had to have gone to nine, whereas Havili can easily just be a middle forward. Yeah, yeah, agree with that, mate. The, the one thing I'm struggling to figure out is uh, where the uh, where the where the points come from. Those guys in the middle that have been sort of rotating between middle and edge for the last sort of 12, 18 months. That's that's one I'm really struggling with. Like guys like Hudson in particular. Like, yeah, they've got a starting spot, but what's their what's their true PPM going to be versus their minutes? That's what I'm really struggling with. Well, I mean, it's interesting because the other big winner from this is that Ryan James is actually going to be in the 17. So, you know, he is an option at 220-odd K as a dual front row forward, second row forward. But you've got Ryan James, who's more of a middle forward, then Soliola, who, again, is more of a middle forward, Sutton, who's definitely a middle forward, and Havili, if he's not playing hooker, he's going to be a middle forward. So potentially all four of those guys are middle forwards on that bench, and that dispels disaster for Josh Papali and uh, Tapani as well at 13, because none of those guys you can really see... Playing edge, the only thing that could happen is Tapani could get moved to the edge because he's played there before um, and then switch from 13 to edge to, to spell Hudson Young. But I kind of think that um, the bench for TLT says you want to stay away from the middles from Canberra. And also the fact that we've got CHN coming back um, in only two weeks says that Hudson Young's going to be a bit of a trap as well because Whitehead's going to get his 80 minutes on the other edge. CHN is going to probably take some of Young's minutes on that edge. So he might get two weeks of 80 minutes and then he's going to drop to maybe even 50 minutes on that edge um, to make way for CHN minutes. Yeah, and those, those are the sorts of guys that you want to have 80 minutes too. Like uh, CHN, Hudson, Hudson Young, they've got to be 80 minutes. You can't have anything in between those blokes, particularly with uncertainty and a coach sort of mixing who's going to start at the last minute. They'll really screw you. So for that for that reason, those guys are complete no-goes for me. I'm still seeing, um, what do you call it, Papali, Papali in a few teams. I think, I think you've still got some value in regards to uh, the draw and the fact that he's got a massive point per minute. Um, and he's still, he's still, he's still starting front row forward, so he's still going to get. The fact that he's, that nobody knows whether he's going to be getting 45 or 50 minutes is the, is the, um, concerning factor for me, so I wouldn't start with him. I don't think he's a pot. I'd, yeah, he can come out of the gate and score and, and, and go over the white stripe, but I, I just don't think there, there's enough minutes and consistency there for that to happen, so I wouldn't be touching any, any, any of those Raiders guys. No, and look, Papali, I was talking to a few people, like, on some of the groups and stuff that were asking for advice on their teams. You know, Papali is, since he's been playing in the middle, his first three rounds have all been lower minutes. You know, last year he averaged like 48 minutes for the first three rounds, um, and that only gave him like a 55-point average. You know, and he's done that consistently for the first sort of three rounds. This TLT bench, if you weren't scared about that before, should just throw you completely off him. Now, obviously he can come good and just score a try, and it's all it's all fine. 
But you're looking at the percentage play. The percentage play is he's going to be playing lower minutes with that bench. He's going to build up his minutes like he does all the time. And he's probably going to score a bit mediocre. So, yeah, I couldn't go near any Raiders in that pack looking at that bench um, and how they're sort of structured for their TLT for round one. Yeah, I know. The only spanner in the works is that everyone's going to say, oh, but he scored a try in the trial. <laughs> <laughs> that means he's even less likely to score one now in the next game. I mean, Simon's, yeah, Simon's is an interesting one. Like, we're obviously hoping that he was going to get named, and he has been. He's... He's a very poor super coach option. You know, he's about 200k, so he's not bottom dollar. His scores are terrible. You know, it's from a numbers perspective, it's awful. You know, the two tries that he scored last year gave him a 53-point game and a 44-point game. But the fact that Canberra has such a good draw um, at 200k, he's he might just bust out and be better than what he is just because of the draw. You know, I could see him scoring, you know, just one or two tries. Um, and probably average one try a week for the next month because he starts with the Tigers at home um, and then Cronulla away, the Warriors at home, and then the Titans away. You know, that's four prime week. Yeah, I think everyone's in the same boat. Like, I, I really hate him. I really, really hate him with a passion. I don't want him at all. I just think it's a waste. I think we talked about this last week. I just think he's a waste to sort of 20, 30, 20, 30, 40K. But um, you, look at that, you look at that draw, and he's only got to go over once or twice to make to make a bit of coin. So it's either that or enough pretty much, isn't it? Well, looking at the Tigers side, they threw up a few spanners as well. So, I mean, I think a lot of people were waiting to see the hooker situation. Now, Little got named at nine, which is great. Um, and probably, you know, some people looked at the bench and went, oh, he's got no backup, he's going to get 80. Um, that's probably the case this week um, if they don't have a late change and it's their two-program, one to 17. But Embi is starting at six. Embi next week is going to be going to the bench to be a utility player because Adam Dewey's going to be back. He's suspended for that one game. So Dewey's going to go straight into the number six jersey and then all of a sudden Embi's on the bench and he's going to get minutes. So I don't think that it matters for Little, but I just wouldn't be looking at this first team list saying, oh, Little's going to be an 80-minute player. You might just get lucky for this week, maybe. Oh, you might get lucky, um, which, which is good. Hopefully, hopefully he gets a... A, um, a, de- a decent score or two in there to lay a platform for that three or four game rolling average so that he starts making some coin pretty quick before, you know, Mbai goes on the bench or Simpkins kind of shows up. Although, even if he does, he's not going to be taking big minutes um, off him. The only thing I don't like about Little is the, um, might have, might have even been you that was saying this or I might have read it, read it somewhere, but in the last what, year or two years or something or other, Little, Little, hasn't put anyone in for a try assist at all. Like I went back and had a look. His numbers are absolutely abysmal when it comes to um, uh, to attack. But he does seem to have a decent work rate in regards to tackles and sort of ha- ha- having a couple runs. So if he can play six, 60 to 80 minutes pretty pretty early before he gets injured or before he gets hooked for something better, like at that sort of price, I think you just got to got to chuck him in. Particularly particularly with those Simkin on the bench now. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think there's any downside with his price point. Um, and I, I did make the point online with a few people that were chatting about it that um, it's better to have Mbai on the bench in a way because, you know, if Simpkins is on the bench, he's probably going to get similar minutes to Mbai. Like, they're probably looking at getting 25 minutes. So, little sort of a 55-minute proposition. But even then, like, he might only get 50 minutes. That's fine. But the difference is that, that Simpkins is always going to come on and spell him regardless of what happens in that team. Whereas Mbai is a classic utility. 
So if they have a, a, a halves injury, a centre injury, a fullback injury, or even a wing injury because they'll shuffle one of their centres across, they're going to put Embi into that spot, and that becomes an 80-minute game for um, Little because Embi is used somewhere else in the back line to sort of put up with that early injury type of thing. And we know with the HIAs and stuff, that can happen quite frequently as well. So I think oh, yeah. Embi boosts Little's minutes just by virtue of his versatility. Yeah, 100%. And just, just to go one step further from what you were saying, it's it's not it's not just his availability for um, you know fullback or for six to cover other blokes. He covers centre, hooker, six, fullback. He, he, he covers everything. So it's only going to take one boat to go down in multiple, multiple positions for him to get on that field and not worry about filling in the hook. And Laurie got named at one. Um, that makes him pretty close to a must-have as well, especially with the cheapies that are around. Um, but the scary thing for me was middle forwards, Billy. Guys like Twal and um, Joe O that people were starting to jump on. I know that they've got a utility on the bench in Talau, who's really going to be in by next week, but the three forwards that they've got on the bench at the moment are real big bopper middles. You know, Michaeli, Itakamanu and Packer are all like big forwards that are going to have to play middle minutes. So... That doesn't spell too well for the uh, the prop forward rotation. Joe O and Twelve don't look like they're going to get the minutes that they're going to need with that bench. Yeah, look, I think a bloke like Joe O, you could basically double his average and double his minutes from the last few years, put him in your team, and you still wouldn't want to have him. I just, I just don't like him at all. Um, not, not even because of the Tigers' rotation. Like you, you put him in that Broncos team and give him 55 minutes, I still wouldn't start him. The fact that they've got that kind of rotation that you just walk through, I'm just not interested in a bloke like him or any or anyone at all in that Tigers pack. Yeah, you just can't do it. And you really had to have, for this team list, a utility spot that was going to be for Hooker um, as an M-by placeholder or even a Simkin placeholder, and then an edge back rower and two middle forwards. Like a cheek cam and two middle forwards type of scenario would have been okay for the middles, potentially. Those three big boppers on the bench, I wouldn't go near it. As far as the game goes, Billy, uh, Tigers and Raiders is generally pretty entertaining. The, the Raiders are a little slightly under strength. Uh, I can see this one being relatively competitive, um, but as far as points go, I'm not going to be captaining or, or vice-captaining anyone in this one. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't captain anyone either. My top sport bet that I found that I love is Rapata for any time try at ninety. I think that's pretty good odds. Um, let's do this last game, the Dragons and the Sharkies. Because this one's quite an interesting one as well. Two teams that I really wasn't sure how they were going to fill a lot of positions. They ended up doing mostly what you would think on the Sharky side. But on the Dragons side, a couple of interesting things. One, we've got Kerr starting on an edge. He's traditionally been a front rower. He can't play 80 minutes there, that's for sure. But the bigger thing that I think people were puzzled about was Fui Mano. And I'll just say Fui because it's easier to say. He's starting at 13. Now, obviously, we had guys like Ford in and out of teams in the preseason as an option. Um, even Farmasuli uh, was looked at as a starting prop forward, potentially, because we'd have Laurie not starting at prop and starting at 13. But out of nowhere, we've got Fui at 13. And it's really thrown a bit of a spanner in the works, because we don't have any cheap second rowers, really. Um, guys like Fui become an option, but... It's really hard because we didn't expect it. Um, I did make the comment in the preseason that the hook does do this, where he goes back to guys that he knows and trusts. Now, Fui, I believe, was recruited from Souths to go to Penrith to begin with by Griffin. 
So I did mention slyly a couple of months ago that I could see this happening. I just didn't think that it actually would. <laughs> and it has. And now he's 260000 as one of the cheaper secondary forward options that you can throw in. But his PPM has been abysmal. And he's got some really bad scores in him from years prior. So I know a lot of people got burned by him last year. He started back row in his last game and got 34 points from 62 minutes. Another game was a bit better where he did 59 points from 71 minutes. And 52 from 80. Yeah, it's acceptable. You know, he's got 57, 58 and 57 minutes. Three games in a row starting on an edge. Playing probably what he's going to play in that sort of middle role. And he averaged about 38 points. And he's put up some real dirt. So I really don't know what to make of him, Billy. Do you think that people should be looking at him as a bit of a cash maker? Oh, hell no. I'd much rather get blore and wait for eight weeks, mate. I just think <laughs> it's a waste. You were talking my language for a bit. <laughs> my favourite player of all time is Fooey, although it's uh, Fooey Fooey, not Fooey. Wrong Fooey. <laughs> wrong, 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 wrong Fooey, mate. Look, I, I, I just think he's one of those blokes that are, that are a bit of a trap. I don't like using that word because anything can happen, but I, I, you look at his numbers and sometimes you, you just got to remind yourself that just because someone is cheaper and is in a starting position doesn't mean, doesn't mean that's going to equate to points. Some people are 1.3 points per minute. One, some people are 1.1. Some people are 0.6 and in a shit team. I think he's one of those. Yeah, I'm going to have to not do it. It's just, it's too hard. And I think it's a very volatile spot. You know, you could have, any number of guys take that starting 13 job. And there was times where he was named to start in the past and he's been dropped back to the bench and that's just going to kill you late in the round as the very last game. Uh, that'll just kill you. So I couldn't do it. But in saying that, at the bench spots, they've got, you know, Willie Army as 17. Surely that changes and they put Ford there, but who knows? And the other three, Farmasuli, Alvaro, two big props, and Merrin, who's, who's a 13 or a prop. So, going back to Josh Kerr, Josh Kerr can't play 80 minutes, but there's no one that could actually take his minutes. Another question. Is there anyone you, you think may start in two to three weeks that might be worthwhile grabbing as enough for now rather than getting him? Uh, it's really hard in the Fords. I mean, you mentioned Bloor, but he could be out for two months. So I think that's a bit too far. Yeah, it is too far. Um, but in saying that, like if he's going to start, Maybe he beats his timetable and comes back in six weeks. I mean, with the limited options, it does save you a trade doing that just by starting him there. I mean, it's better than having enough because it's a guy that you're going to want to trade in anyway and waste a trade in. So yep. you can save the trade and just do it and just do that instead of enough. And he's only 25000 more than bottom dollar anyway. So I think the Bloor is probably the only one that's reasonably safe. I'm almost tempted to do it because I find myself really, really struggling to find someone around that price point. I don't want to get enough because it's silly, but if we're going to get Bloor anyway, it saves me a trade, especially given that you've already got two, two back, uh, two backup, um, ed, two backup edges anyway. And if you've got a jewel, then, then that's three for you. I think these are the type of years where you've got to do that stuff. Like, I think people get too tied into having to find the money to get a, a fooey or, or someone like that and you get disappointed or it's a real slow burn or you end up trading them out for 50,000 profit or something. Well, years like this, I don't think that there's any problem because a lot of teams anyway, and I've discussed this before with strategy, a lot of the time, like I, I almost always start with at least one enough, if not two. And I think out of a 25-man squad, that's fine. Try and pick guys that you think are going to play down the track, at least for cover during a buy period, like a Suali or something like that. Yeah, that's fine. 
So there's no there's no reason why you can't replace one of those guys with a with a blow and say, well, there's not any cheap secondary forwards, much like what happens in centre wing when you put enough there. So instead of putting enough there, I'll put a Simonson there and I'll put a blow as my enough in secondary forward. I think this year it's, it's the type of year where you've got to do that stuff. Yeah, I've got two nuffs already, um, and I'm more than happy to do it. Yeah, I don't see any other ones off the bat, and Philly I don't see as a great option, although, you know, you could luck into it. Um, Bird's another interesting one that changed. A few weeks ago, he decided that he wanted to play centres again, and much to my surprise, Griffin said, it doesn't matter that you've been training as a forward for so long, and that we had plans for you to come off the bench and play lower minutes, you just go and play centre. And that happened a couple of weeks ago, out from the season, and now he's a starting centre. So, all of a sudden, Bird's now an option at 380000 I can't go near him, uh, but it looks like, you know, he's got his centre job back and he's pretty cheap at 380000 so people are definitely looking. If they do run it back on the bench, I would be worried that, that Hook's going to do something weird, like put Willie Army there 60 minutes in or something. I just think he's one of those guys that everyone was going to look at in the trials, make sure he was playing lock, uh, maybe watch him come, up, come off the bench for three, three or four games, uh work his way into match fitness, then everyone kind of round six or seven, just chuck him in the centre three quarter, we all do the same thing. Now the fact that he's gone, into, gone straight into centre three quarter or he doesn't have any sort of real scores to make, make it make it worth a while, all of a sudden it's more of a, I think he's more overpriced by 200k than potentially underpriced. Uh, with the Sharky side of things, pretty much panned out how we thought it was going to for the Sharks. Um, they've had very little changes. Um, they do have some young guys on the bench, uh, but I don't think any of those are going to be good enough to put in your side. Interestingly enough, Andrew Fafid is in Jersey 20. So whether, you know, Morris has just named everyone and, and Fafid is going to come in and, and end up playing or not, or he's not fit for round one. A few people were looking at him and are saying, even on the bench for 400k, I'm going to put him in because he looks good. He might not even play. You, you can't do it for the last game of the round. Yeah, I've dropped about 10 kilos too. I look pretty good. You want to put me in your team? <laughs> I'm going to say that's a no. Uh, these two sides just look pretty bad. Um, I actually think I actually think the Dragons can get up and they're big outsiders. $2.20 for the win on Top Sport. Um, and you can take the line as well. But you can actually give them plus 8.5 points if you're really conservative and get $1.48, which I've already bet on. <laughs> So I, I, reckon oh, really? the, I reckon the Dragons are going to win this. Like, I really don't see the Sharks, who are now oh, playing yeah. at Cogger as well, uh, for their home games. Like, uh, I I really don't like this Dragons. This I really don't like this Sharks side. Uh, Moylan's probably the only one that I see as a decent play. Um, and even then, I really don't want to, but I'm just looking at how many points were put on the Dragons from South thinking <laughs> Moylan's going to put on points at least. Yeah, mate, I think they need to put the porch light back on. Harold's gone for a swim again. <laughs> on that note, I think we'll move to the next segment, mate, to give us to uh, do our Mortal Kombat team battle. Having a look at the teams, let's start at hooker. And I, I reckon that you're going to probably get me here, but my hooker combination, it's changed quite a bit. Um, and actually, I'll say we're going to go through into our Mortal Kombat team versus team with me and Billy, and we're going to reveal our teams. But just take note, these aren't our final teams. We've only just seen TLT today. So 
I'm probably still going to tinker with it and make a fair few changes. Uh, but as of right now, let's go into the Battle of the Hookers. So Billy, my guys, Josh Hodgson as my starting hooker. Cook got the punt a couple of weeks ago. And Little as my bench hooker. Who have you got versus them? Watson and Little. Oh, very similar. Jeez. I've got Watson at six, so I don't mind going Watson Little as well. That was going to be another option for me, but um, I looked at that Canberra Raiders draw and thought that Hodgson, even though he's got such a terrible base, I'm just going to go there for some attack to start with. Yeah, fair, fair enough. Um, I hope you and Mark Lennis do well. <laughs> oh, jeez. Well, Second I, round pick. I guess I'm going to give that one that that win to you. All right, you get round one. At the... the hookers. Let's go to all round right. two. Front row forwards. I reckon I got you though. What are your front row forwards? Um, I got TKO, Welsh, um, Lodge, and the Tiger Kid. So I've got TKO. Welsh, Leota, and the Tiger Kid. I reckon Leota beats out Lodge, and I reckon I take this battle. Lodge average 67. You reckon Leota beats that? I reckon Leota beats what he beats this... What, I reckon Leota beats what Lodge <laughs> gets this year, which is all that matters. <laughs> all right. Fair enough. Second rowers. i got Angus Crichton. Ryan Madison and Barnett, and reserves of Satili Tupanua, Jordan Ricky, and good old Ben Travojevic, the nuff that keeps on nothing. Ooh. Crichton, Madison, Barnett, Tino, Ricky, and um, nuff at the moment. I've got 200k up my sleeve. Oh, jeez. I can't believe how much you're copying my side this year. This is going to be a tight matchup. Tupanua versus Tino. I don't even think we can do a fatality on this one. I think that it's going to be a draw. Draw split. Halfbacks, Nathan Cleary, Mitchell Moses. Uh, you got me, Cleary and Walker. Oh, smashing you, smashing you. That's the sub-zero fatality, where he freezes you and then just bashes you into bloody bits. Moses, dude, careful. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we might go for the crappy uh, Johnny Cage one where he takes off his glasses. All right, let's go for the five eights. So who you got there, mate? Um, I removed Munster a couple of hours ago. I'm um, going to go Hoy and Lamb. I thought you were going to get me here because I thought you had Munster, but I got Watson and Moylan. I reckon Watson and Moylan takes Hoy and Lamb. I think you're dreaming. I think... I think... I think one is dog shit. I think he averages 25 for the year. Oof. Brutal. No, I reckon he's going to start well. He'll do He'll do an injury five or six weeks in. Sorry, I was just going to say, the, re- the, re- the reason I did that, I just needed some to spread a bit better. And I just kind of figured, you know what, if um, Watson, Watson, go, Watson goes down injured and I'm forced to start little and he only gets 50, 60 minutes, Lamb was a backup. Uh, covers both positions, so that was the reasoning. Yeah, I don't mind it. Like I, I ended up, you know, trying to choose between five eight and hooker as what spot I was going to go cheap in, and I ended up doing both and liking the look of my overall team a lot more. I've gone mid range in both, you know, but I think that that's a, a decent strategy um, because I think Hodgson and Watson are good enough players where even though they're cheaper mid range guys, you know, 
those type of guys could still score well enough to be starters for you. Set a wing. Who you got, mate? Uh, starters, uh, Kelly, Staines, Newey, and Laurie. And I've just got crap in the bench. I've got Simmonson, Sawali, and um, oh, just, I forgot. I just got Walker in there. Might get rid of that. I, I, I don't know. Don't know what to do with him there. I've got um, I just took after talking about Walker twenty minutes ago. Decided to throw him in. Well, I've got Mike Acevo, who's going to spearhead my centre wing attack for the for the run that the Eels have got. The old Fusatua is coming back in. Uh, new. Laurie, and then on the bench I've got Saab, Simonson, and Joe Suali who can come in during the um, during the layoff of um, any roosters getting rested or the origin period. So I reckon it's pretty tight, but I reckon I can go a fatality with Sevo on you, mate. <laughs> I'm an ill supporter, mate. I disagree. <laughs> Oh, the fullbacks, this is going to be interesting to finish up on. I've got James Tedesco and Clint Gutherson. Got ya. Teddy and Pappy. Oh, Teddy and Pappy, that's straight to me, mate. King Gutho. It's not King Pappy. You kidding? I'm I'm going to go out. I've already gone out on a limb last week. Gutherson to average more points than Pappy the first six weeks. If you want to go the season, I'll bet you 50 bucks. I'm not going the season. No chance. So you lose that... You just admitted defeat. If you want to, if you want to throw a pineapple at the first six weeks, no nah, season. No, nah, not doing it. <laughs> well, pretty good sides there. I'm, unfortunately, they're pretty similar, so I don't think the listeners will get too much out of that. But um, I, I'm looking at a couple of changes, but I think most of my guys are going to stay the same there. Yeah, I'm not sure what I'm going to do. I don't. I really don't like the the crap at the back, Saab and Simmonson. But you've got to have someone, so. Might end up picking one of them. I need to figure out what to do with that extra sort of 450 grand, but I just can't find a second row at that price that I like. Yeah, well, you should have Satili Tupanua in there at 410. No, I don't want him. Big mistake, going to make or break your season. Billy, that is the first TL2 podcast <laughs> for uh, for this year. Thanks for coming on for the first one, mate. I've, um, I reckon we've got pretty similar sides, so we're both going to do pretty well round one. That'll crash and burn, mate, but we'll find out soon enough. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in again, everyone. Uh, obviously, like always, you can subscribe, download, or stream us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Spotify. And certainly, if you are going to bet, bet with Top Sport. Gamble responsibly, but do put in SC All Stars as your promo code if you do start an account, and they'll make sure to take care of you as one of our listeners. We are going to have the TLT podcast every week going forward as normal. So good luck with your teams this week. We'll be pretty active on Twitter and everything else to answer any questions or to have a bit of a chat. Um, until then. Good luck for the week. Round one, Thursday night, starts it off, and it's going to be an absolute cracker. Can't wait to discuss it next week.